Welcome to Deception, Part 1, Episode 2 of Chatillion Stage Company's Project Mercury Anthology Series. I'm Deborah Whitfield, the Artistic Director. I very loosely based Deception on a notorious murder case that happened a little over a hundred years ago in New York City. Newlywed Cora Max Slade is madly in love with her handsome husband, Doc, and seems quite oblivious to the deadly suspicions that begin to swirl around him. And now, part one of the world premiere of Project Mercury's Deception. I've been all over the world in this early part of the 20th century, and nowhere's as cold as Grand Rapids, Michigan, at the beginning of February. Today is no exception. It's a snowy, blustery morning, the perfect weather for a funeral. If there is such a thing. <laughs> Darling, it'll be all right. She went peacefully. She won't suffer anymore now. Just... I know, Doc, but it doesn't make any sense. Mama was fine. She was strong. Why did she... Only God can answer that question, Corey. Oh, that's rich. You should get in the car, sister dear. It's freezing out here. I don't care, Roger. I don't care. What about Mama? Isn't she freezing? Listen, Cora, you're understandably upset. Why don't we go? Your father's waiting and we want to show respect to him and your parents' friends, don't we? I really don't think I can, Bess. Cora? What do you mean, darling? I'm not going. I can't go. Not go to your own mother's funeral. Uh, now you're just being ridiculous. Stop acting like a child and let's- Easy, Slade. Kindly release my arm. Thank you. She's my wife and I'll handle her in any way I see fit. And if you don't like Alfred. it- Alfred! I think this day is getting to all of us. Yes. Yes, Cousin Bess. Of course, it is. You're quite right, as always. Forgive my callousness, Roger. This is a sad day for you as well. She was your mother, too. No harm done. Bess is right. All of our nerves are on edge. I'm sorry, Corey, darling. If you really don't feel like going to the church, I'll take you back to the house. No. It is as you say. Everyone's waiting. But you'll take care of yourself, won't you, Doc? You spent so much time with Mama back in New York. What if you catch what she had? If anything were to ever happen to you, I... I'd die. Now, sweetheart, that's just the grief talking. Nothing's going to happen to me. Promise me you'll take care of yourself. Dearest. Promise! All right, yes, I promise. Two souls, but with a single thought. Two hearts that beat as one. Remember? I remember. Now let us be on our way. We really must join your father. The limousine is right over here. Bess? Yes, yes, I'm coming. Shall we, cousin dear? Yes, thank you, Bess. I don't know what came over me. 
I'm all right now. Let us go. We must all pay our respects to Mama. Let's dial the clock back a bit, shall we? To when it all began. The Mack Mansion in Michigan, almost one year ago. March, 1915. Here you are, sir. Shall I take your hat? Thank you, my dear girl. I remember you from my last visit. Tilly, am I right? Yes, that's right, sir. Isn't that short for Matilda? Why, yes, sir. How did you know? Oh, I have my ways, never fear. Dr. Slade! Thank you, Miss Matilda. Very good, sir. I didn't know you were here. I've only just arrived. Good evening, Miss Mack. You're looking especially lovely this evening. May I say, you should always wear teal. Your eyes are emeralds. Thank you, Doc. It's nice to see you again. You're looking dashing as always. Put this somewhere safe. What is it? A love note. The better to touch your heart. You've already touched that. I'll put it here, next to my... Next to something else you've also touched. Darling. Corey, are you going to let the gentleman join us, or are you planning to keep him to yourself all evening? Sorry, Mama. Dr. Slade and I were just getting reacquainted. Surely you haven't forgotten each other so soon. I don't believe you've missed a single day this month. There was that night two weeks ago when you came down with the croup and Cora had to tend to you. The croup? Oh, my mistake. I meant the croupier. Slade, I don't know what you think you're getting at, but... Oh, and here's your lovely mother. Enchanté, madame. Nice to see you again, Dr. Slade. I didn't know you spoke French. Avez-vous voyagé en France? I actually only know a few phrases here and there, but I intend to rectify that very soon. Vraiment? And how will you rectify it, Dr. Slade? Please call me Doc. Everyone else does. But to answer your question, I want to study all of the Romance languages. French, Spanish, Italian. A well-educated man is a cultured man. Bien sûr. Didn't I tell you Doc was something, Mama? Oh, he's something, all right. Papa's been looking forward to you this evening. Dr. Slade? Good to see you again, Mr. Mack. How goes the pharmaceutical business? Still number one? Can't complain, can't complain. What's your line of work again? Now, Roger, you know Doc's a highly esteemed dentist. Highly esteemed? What makes him so highly esteemed? His knowledge of French? Cora always wants to make me out to be better than I am dear girl. I was fortunate enough to be accepted into the prestigious Glasgow School of Dentistry, where I received my postgraduate degree. Still not sure what they saw in an old sawbones like me, but there you are. He did it all in two months. Indeed. And he was awarded a scholarship. Did they award that accent as well? <laughs> I thought your people came from Ypsilanti. I love the way Doc sounds. It's very distinguished. My daughter tells me you're extremely well-traveled, Dr. Slade. I like to think so, yes. I recently returned from a sojourn to South Africa. 
You weren't practicing dentistry on the Zulus, surely. I wouldn't think they'd have much need for an oral surgeon. Actually, a well-regarded mining company required my services. Really? Which one? Due to some legal issues regarding the local government, I'm afraid I'm not at liberty to say. I see. Well, what brings you back to boring old Michigan? Not as exciting as the jungle, is it? You must forgive my son, Dr. Slick. Doc, he's very protective of his sister. As well he should be, madam. No, Roger makes a valid point. It's true, I have had the wanderlust, but now I've come to a time in my life where I want more stability. You don't know me very well, Dr. Slade, but I'm a man who doesn't beat about the bush. I'd like to know, what are your intentions toward my daughter? Papa! No, Cora, it's all right. It's time. I've done a great deal of soul-searching lately, and have come to the conclusion my intentions are... Well, I'd like to marry your daughter, sir, if she'll have me. Doc! Mary! All right, everyone. Let's tamp the temperature down a few degrees, shall we? Julius, see what you've started. Dr. Slade, you and my daughter have been keeping company for a very short time. We've known each other for years, Mama. But you've only been courting for three weeks. Let's stick to the matter at hand. What can you offer her? I must admit, I had not envisioned this evening's trajectory going in quite this direction. You have no prospects, then? Well, I didn't say that. What exactly are you saying? Doc, you don't have to say anything. No, it's all right, darling, I want to. Mr. and Mrs. Mack, your daughter, Roger, your sister, has quite beguiled me with her charms. I didn't plan to fall in love so fast, but I must confess, I have. Back in Cape Town, lying under the stars, I used to dream of a partner with whom I'd weather life's storms. She needn't be pretty, though Cora's luminous beauty rivals the stars. She needn't be clever, though Cora's astute mind runs rings round the most revered of scholars. But she must be kind, and Cora is the gentlest woman I have ever known. Therefore, Mr. Mack, I humbly ask you for your daughter's hand in marriage. Do you love him? Oh, yes, Papa. Well, I don't know if you have any means, but my daughter seems to love you, and that's good enough for me. Oh, thank you, Papa. I guess I have means enough for the both of you. Unbelievable! Roger, don't you want to kiss the bride-to-be? Congratulations to you both, but if you'll excuse me, I just remembered an important engagement downtown from which I cannot extricate myself. An engagement? At this hour? What about dinner? Can you please have Tilly leave me a cold plate? I'm sorry I didn't mention this before, Mama. It completely slipped my mind. Extraordinary. Doc, please forgive my son's poor manners. I assure you, he was not raised by wolves. Although sometimes it seems as though he were. Think nothing of it. We'll have plenty of opportunities to spend time together when I'm part of the family. Of course. Again, my apologies. I won't be late. This calls for champagne. <laughs> 
Yes, Mr. Mack. Tilly, bring up a bottle of Moet et Chandon from the cellar. We have a happy occasion to celebrate. My little girl's getting married. Oh, yes, Mr. Mack, right away, sir. Congratulations, Miss Cora. Dr. Slade. You're very extravagant, Papa. Nonsense. I only have one daughter, haven't I? And soon I'll have another son. Welcome to the family, Doc. Thank you, Father Mac. I promise I'll do everything in my power to make Cora happy. See that you do. You're getting your wish, Henrietta. You have a wedding to plan. Yes, Julius, finally. One never knows what good fortune the day will bring, does one? No, one doesn't. Nine months have passed, and we newlyweds are happily ensconced at 435 Riverside Drive, the very luxurious Coliseum Apartments in New York City. This is going to be the most beautiful tree in the history of Christmas. Hand me another string of cranberries, will you, Corey? I'm afraid that's it for the cranberries, Mama. Here's more of the popcorn. Thank you. Enough! Mama! <laughs> Save some of those for the tree. <laughs> I'm so glad you could join us for the holidays. It's a shame Papa and Roger couldn't get away. It means so much to me having you here. My sketches and watercolors keep me busy, but it gets lonely sometimes rattling around this big apartment. Why are you lonely, Corey? Doesn't Doc keep you company? Well, of course he does when he's here, but he has to make a living. Oh, he's taken on more patients then. No, not exactly. Then what does he do with all his time? Oh, you know, he wants to keep up his tennis and he has a new hobby. Hobby? Why isn't he building up his dental practice? I should think taking care of his wife properly, laying the groundwork for the future would be more than enough to occupy his time. What kind of hobby? Well, I'm not sure exactly. I think it has something to do with communicable diseases. Disease? A hobby? I'm beginning to think Roger was right. Right about what? Never mind that. Corey, does Alfred make you happy? Happier than I've ever been in my entire life. You know you can come home anytime you want, don't you? No questions asked. But New York is my home now, Mama. We've only been married three months. Surely you of all people know how stubborn I am. I wouldn't give up on anything this important after so short a time. Won't you at least think about it? At least think about what? Hello, darling. Oh, hello, dearest. I didn't hear you. You came in on little cat feet. Mama was just... How was the tennis game? Good afternoon, Mother Mac. The tennis was outstanding. Thank you for asking. Doc has trouble finding a worthy opponent. Wasn't Bill Tilden available? If only he were. What I wouldn't give to play that young man. Mark my words, he will win it all one day. Would you like some mulled cider, darling? That would be lovely, thank you. Mama? Yes, thank you, dear. Back in a jiff. 
If you will excuse me, I should really get out of these damp clothes. Alfred, will you be so kind as to spare me a moment? Of course, Mother Mac. What is it? Cora tells me you haven't been spending much time at home of late. Yes, that is true. I have my dental practice, my research. The communicable diseases. Ah, I see you and Cora have been discussing my new obsession. Only briefly. I am curious, though, as to the attraction. It's not that mysterious, really. I've always been fascinated with the unknown. When I began to study dentistry and learned how many incurable diseases there still are, I fantasized about making the discovery that might change the world. I expect this sounds rather foolish to you. Not exactly. But let's just say you were to become the next Louis Pasteur. It might help mankind in general, but my husband and I only care about the particular, Cora, and her happiness. Yes, of course, I understand completely. But what would you say if I told you I could accomplish both? I would say I was very skeptical, and so would my husband be. And when my husband is skeptical, he is not so very generous. Sorry for the delay. I sent Tilly on a cranberry hunt, so I had to manage on my own. I'm still learning how to navigate a kitchen. Let me help you, darling. Thank you, dear. Mother Mac, your cider? Many thanks. And you don't need to navigate anything. That's what housemaids are for. Yes, I know, but Tilly's only temporary until we can get on our feet. She's eventually going back to Grand Rapids. Oh? Yes, Alfred. You'll have to find a replacement. I'm taking Tilly home with me after the new year. Why didn't I know about this, Cora? I'm sorry, Doc. I was going to tell you. I'm rather looking forward to taking care of you myself. But darling, I don't believe you would even recognize a broom, much less know how to use it. And you certainly can't cook. Alfred! I'm sorry you don't like my cooking. Who would like burnt brisket? Oh, now, Doc, I'm sure you're only teasing me. And while it is true I don't know much about keeping house now, I can learn, and I want to. We really can't afford a servant on $200 a month anyway. Perhaps $200 doesn't go as far in New York City as it does in Grand Rapids, but we thought it was very generous. Of course, that allowance was always meant to supplement Alfred's income, not replace it. And so it shall, Mother Mac. Never fear. But, as I said earlier, I really must change my clothes. Ladies? I'd better get started on lunch. Such as it is. Corey, I don't mean to upset you. But when I get back home, I'm going to have a long talk with your father about your situation. You may not see anything wrong with the current state of affairs, but this is not the life Papa and I had envisioned for you. You're much too precious to us, and we are certainly much too practical to throw good money after bad. Mama, why are you- I don't want to hurt you, Corey. But as much as Alfred seems to love you in his way, I fear he loves the trust your father set up for you even more. You think Doc only loves me for my money? That's not what I said. It's what you mean, though. 
isn't it? I'm simply saying it might be an interesting experiment to remove the enticing mammon and see if Alfred can support you on his own. But Mama, that's... We can talk about this later. I'm feeling a bit tired now and would like to have a little lie down before lunch. All right. I'll wake you when it's ready. Thank you, dear. Secreted in the hallway entrance, I'm able to hear this last remarkable exchange, but dart away before either lady can see me. <laughs> Those tennis games certainly do come in handy. After suffering through weeks of Mother Mac's condescending gazes and comments, there is respite in art. Corey is drawing me in repose. Darling, your head, the other angle's better. What? No, sorry. Doc, is anything the matter? No, why do you ask? You seem distracted. You have the funniest look on your face. Don't be silly. That's my poseur look. I'm not being silly. I've just never seen you look like that before. It's almost as if... What? No, never mind. No, go on, Cora. You're the one who started the conversation. Out with it. It's almost as if you're wishing you were somewhere else. Anywhere else. Oh, darling, uh, I'm sorry. I. It's been a long day. I'm quite shattered. C can we finish the portrait later? Is everything all right between us, Doc? What do you mean, all right? Are you asking me if I'm glad I married you? Well, I actually wasn't going to ask you that, but since you bring it up, are you? Never pose a question unless you're prepared to hear a truthful answer. No, I'm afraid. No, you needn't be. It, it's been lovely, really, but... Yes? I know this is a spacious apartment. However, it's begun to feel a bit cramped of late. Because of Mama, you mean? I love Mother Mac, truly, and it's been wonderful having her here with us, but perhaps... It's time she returned home. Before the new year? You behave differently when she's here. How different? You're more critical, tense. I wonder if she's filling your head with ideas about me. Your mother doesn't like me very much, does she, Cora? Of course she likes you. She loves you. I just think she wishes you were a tad more ambitious. Well, I have my dental practice, my research... Yes, I know. Oh, I see. Those endeavors don't bring in enough income to keep her daughter in the manner to which she has grown so accustomed. No, Doc, that's not it. Then what is it, Cora? I thought so. Where are you going? The lab. I need to clear my head a bit. I suddenly find myself with a splitting headache. Let me get you some aspirin powder. Don't bother. There's something new we've been working on at Cornell that may do just the trick. Don't know! Damn and blast! Why is this wire here? I could have broken my neck! 
I'm sorry, darling. Tilly was cleaning today. Maybe she uh, she must have moved the table and forgot to replace it. Duck, are you sure I can't get you that powder? No. The Anison should do the trick. There's no need for you to worry, sweetheart. There's nothing wrong. You have my heartfelt promise. I'm yours till death us do part. Just as Reverend Demas said. I want to believe that. Then do, because it's true. Goodbye, my love. I won't be late. A few days have passed, and I'm conducting what has become an almost daily musical lesson with my prize student, Margaret, in our salon suite at the Plaza Hotel. She sings like a lark, and I do my best to accompany her. Brava, brava, touchant très bien, mon amour, très bien. Merci mille fois, monsieur. Monsieur? J'espère que je suis plus que monsieur pour toi. Ah, oh, bien sûr, c'est ça, c'est ça. Oh, I can't think in French when you're kissing me like that. And how will you be able to think when we're French kissing? Doc, I can't today. Heard melodies are sweet, but those unheard are sweeter. Mm, I could die happily right here, buried in these beautiful breasts. Doc, I just can't. Why not? Harry's taking me ice skating in Central Park. He'll be here any minute. That's all I need. <laughs> Doc, that's naughty, and I'm happy to say not entirely true. A thing of beauty is a joy forever. Its loveliness increases. Oh, that's beautiful, Doc. Is it extemporaneous? I'm sure it was once, for Keats. <laughs> oh. Who is it? It's your hubby Harry, baby doll. Hello, Slade. How go the French lessons? Fantastic. Margaret's much better than I, of course, but we're both coming right along. Glad to hear it. And how about her singing? 
Will my beautiful wife be ready for Carnegie Hall? I want to sing with the Metropolitan Opera Company. Well, Carnegie Hall wouldn't be such a bad place to start, would it, sweetie? Andy says you can have a spot right there anytime you want. Please thank Mr. Carnegie for me. Of course his hall would be wonderful. I just have my heart set on the Met. Then the Met it shall be. Leave it to your Harry. When do you think she'll be ready? Well, Margaret already sings like an angel, but we'll probably need a few more weeks, I should think, to polish up her repertoire. I'm grateful to you, Slate. You're giving my gal just the confidence she needs. The pleasure was all mine. And I also appreciate you keeping the relationship strictly professional. A different sort of man might try to take advantage of one so young and innocent. When I first rescued my little dove from Akron, did you know it's the rubber capital of the world? I said to her, do what you like. I know you would never put anything over on your old husband. I trust my little magpie completely. Magpie? Harry, that's just for us. Uh, sorry, dear. Just want to make sure Slade and I understand each other. But we really should go. We have a nine o'clock reservations at Maxim's for after the ice. Oui, mon chéri. Champagne and lobster. <laughs> My favorite. And you can practice your French on the waiters. Avec plaisir. Goodbye, Doc. Shall we say five o'clock again tomorrow? Until five o'clock, then. Peut-être que je peux coucher avec toi demain? Peut-être. I don't understand a single word, but I love that language. See you later, Slade. See you, Harry. Magpie. Oh la la. It is now two months later, March 1916. We endeavor to celebrate a happy occasion. Here you are, Father Mac. This aperitif will tide you over until dinner. It should be ready in a few minutes. Tilly's putting the finishing touches on the veal. Mmm, my favorite. Yes, I know. It is your birthday, after all. Don't remind me. The first birthday without your dear mama. She's been gone five weeks today. It might as well be five years. I know, Papa. Many happy returns, Father Mac. Yes, many happy returns. Thank you. How did I get to be this age? The view makes me feel better. I have to admit I never tire of looking at the Hudson. Did you know it's actually an estuary, not a river? No, I did not know that. You're quite a font of information, Father Mac. And now, Alfred, I may be old, but I'm not senile. You don't need to butter me up. You've already got the apartment. Yes, Papa, and it's all thanks to you. Oh, Corey, glad to be able to do it. My hope is that you two will have many long, wonderful years here. That's what Henrietta and I had before she was... Papa, Papa, I know. And Doc and I are deliriously happy. Aren't we, darling? 
What? Oh, yes, we, we love it here. And we were going to wait until after dinner to give you your present, but now seems as good a time as any. Father Mac, as you know, you've always been welcome to visit us at any time, especially in light of recent events. Well, from this moment on, we'd like you to make the guest room your permanent residence. What? Oh, no, you're just married. You don't want to be saddled with an old widower. First of all, you're not old. And second of all, well, there is no second of all because we're not taking no for an answer, are we, Doc? Absolutely not. Happy birthday. Even if I were to agree, what about the business? Roger can handle it. You've been saying for years you were going to turn J-Mac Pharmacies over to him and start living the good life. Here's your chance. You're both very kind and have touched me in ways you can't possibly know. I will stay for a little while longer. Permanently. Just until I round the corner. Your mother's death has hit me like a ton of bricks. Corey, did you paint this? Yes. Doc always looks so handsome in his tennis togs. I wanted to memorialize him with his trophy. The colors are so vibrant. Your daughter is very talented, Father Mac. Just like her mother. The research going well? Yes. We've isolated numerous strains of typhoid, tuberculosis, anthrax. Oh, please stop. It gives me the heebie-jeebies to hear you talk about those diseases so easily as if they were Santa's reindeer or something. <laughs> I'm sorry, darling. Doc invited me to his research lab once and made me look at typhus, I think it was, under a microscope. It was revolting. Never again. Don't browbeat the man. It seems to be his life's work, Corey. Though I have to say, I am somewhat bewildered as to why a dentist needs to bother with so many deadly strains of bacteria. A fair question. It's hard to answer, really. I've always been irresistibly drawn to the laboratory. Microscopes, amoebae, tubes, slides. How can a tiny organism, invisible to the naked eye, bring a man to his knees? I want to eradicate these devils so we can live life to the fullest and not worry about so much as even a sniffle or a cough. That sounds good in theory, but how are you able to balance this research with your regular patients? There are only 24 hours in a day. It's not easy. I've noticed. Some nights you don't come home until well after eight o'clock. How do you even have time for patients? I mean, they are your bread and butter, so to speak. Might I remind you, you have a wife to support. And with any luck and by the grace of God, there will be children someday. Of course, we want children. And I know it's hard on Corey, but the research is my passion. And if I come home late one or two nights a week, as you point out, it's necessary to be able to provide for my beautiful wife. Not to mention get in a few rounds of tennis. Pardon me? Doc has to defend his title. And somehow I think amateur tennis would survive very well without New York Met champ Alfred Slade. I'm sure it would, but... Baba, that's not very nice. You sound just like Mama. Henrietta and I did discuss this before she... But Corey wouldn't love me anymore if I got flabby. 
that's not true. I love you for your own sake and for nothing else. That's not quite how it goes. I know. I changed it. For us. Papa, I understand your concern, of course. But I was thinking, if you were to increase our monthly allowance even slightly, then Doc could- Excuse me, Mrs. Slade. Dinner is served. Thank you, Tilly. Sweetheart, let's not bother your father with money matters on an empty stomach. We can continue this discussion, if we must, over dinner. I'm starved. Shall we go in? Very well, darling. Father Mac? Ah, oh, thanks for the assist. Doc has picked out the most lovely bottle of Mouton Claret for us. Mouton Claret? Very highbrow. Are you sure you can afford it, Alfred? <laughs> this is my favorite place in the whole world, the research laboratory at Cornell University Medical College. A week later. This bud of love by summer's ripening breath may prove a beauteous flower when next we meet. Good night, good night, a sweet repose and rest come to thy heart as that within my breast. Uh-uh-uh! Oh, wilt thou leave me so unsatisfied? What satisfaction canst thou have tonight? The exchange of thy love's faithful vow for mine. Come, vile. Magpie. What if this mixture do not work at all? Shall I be married then tomorrow morning? Careful with that test tube. Better give it me. Why? What's in it? Diphtheria. Oh. What's on that slide there? Tetanus. And this one here? Asiatic cholera. And in this vial is pneumonia. But none of these bacterial strains is deadly enough. Deadly enough for what? For the experiments I'm conducting. Come here, you! <gasps> Next, on deception. On what are you experimenting, Alfred? Or should I say, on whom? Ah, I didn't see you there, Bess. Coramax Slade, for the love of God, will you please stop treating me as if I were an invalid? You know I love our chats, but there's something important I feel compelled to tell you. Oh, you're cool as a cucumber, aren't you? Butter wouldn't melt in your mouth. Are you going to stand there and spew aphorisms at me all day? Or are you going to tell me what the hell is going on? Not in front of Cora. Anything you have to say to Doc, you can say in front of me, Roger. Thank you for listening to Project Mercury's Deception, Part 1, featuring Jason O'Connell as Doc, Melissa Hurst as Henrietta and Tilly, Russell Jordan as Roger and Harry, Nikenji as Maggie, Paul Page as Julius, Angela Pierce as Bess, and Deborah Whitfield as Cora. Robert Laconi was the associate producer. Original music and sound design provided by Ed Matthew. Sound engineering provided by Tom Camuso and Studio E. Special thanks to David Musial and Skyroom Studio. 
This podcast was recorded under a SAG-AFTRA collective bargaining agreement. If you enjoyed what you heard, please remember to subscribe, like, and or follow us. News about Project Mercury can be found at chatillionstagecompany.com. And make sure to tune in to our next episode, Deception, Part 2.